Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 4. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for Season 4 of This Week in Voice is Microsoft, and we greatly appreciate their support of the show. Uh, we appreciate what they do for the tech community at large. Um, specifically, Microsoft uh, will be giving what we're calling the Microsoft Keynote at Project Voice, which is the number one event for voice tech and AI in America coming the week after CES. And they will be talking about a number of things there. If you want more information on that, go to projectvoice.ai. If you want more information on Microsoft in general, go to microsoft.com. We appreciate uh, everything they do for us and everything they do for the voice community in general. With that, we are very pleased to have two phenomenal guests on the show. Looking forward to both these folks. Our first guest is Susan Hura. Susan, say hello. Hey, Bradley. Hey, everybody. Susan, thank you for joining us. Um, take a minute. Uh, tell us who you are, what you do, who you're with. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I am currently serving as CEO at Banter Technology. Um, we help clients create powerful, intuitive voice interactions uh, for, for their customers. Um, I, I am a, a linguist by training, and I've been fascinated by speech, computer speech recognition specifically, but speech technologies in general since I was a teenager. That is so nerdy, but it, it actually is true. Uh, so, so my work um, over the past 20 years or so has been around um, strategizing, evaluating, designing, and, and doing training around conversational design. Very cool. And we greatly yeah. appreciate uh, you being part of this with us. Your, <clears throat> your partner in crime in, in some ways is here, uh, Philip Hunter. We are pleased to have you on the show. Say hello. Hey, Bradley, thanks. It's uh, really great to be on, and I appreciate it. Going to have some yeah. fun. Thank you very much for being here, Philip. And uh, take a minute, same thing as Susan. Uh, tell us sure. who you are. Tell us who you're with. Tell us what you do. Yeah. So, um, Philip Hunter, as uh, everyone listening has probably uh, figured out already. And uh, so, I right now, I'm a senior principal designer on the conversation design team at a company called 24-7 that provides customer contact center solutions, uh, which is um, interesting for me because it, it's kind of a return to where uh, Susan and I both got started in this field uh, in, in sort of the current age of, of speech recognition technologies. We worked together at a company called Intervoice a long time ago uh, and started some of the first um, major enterprise-focused speech recognition application projects um, and uh, really learned a lot then that we're excited to bring forward into this new age of, uh, of uh, Google Assistant and Alexa and Cortana and all the rest. And speaking of, of uh, them, I spent uh, several years at Microsoft, uh, worked on some of the early Cortana uh, efforts and then uh, moved over to Amazon. And after some time at AWS, I also worked on uh, the Alexa skills kits and oversaw some of the uh, initial developer tools and, and uh, things like uh, uh, blueprints uh, coming out the door there. So, um, and like Susan, I've been a passionate advocate for using great design uh, techniques and methods uh, in conversation design. And uh, that's really one of our 
big focus areas is how do we uh, keep the, the user-centered design, human-centered design uh, uh, growth going in, in this field. Excellent. Thank both of you all for joining me and our audience today. And um, before we get too much further, I want to talk about y'all's collaboration. You are in the process of creating, you, are, you have created a new conference called Points Made. Uh, either one of y'all or collectively, uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, great. Go ahead, Susan. Well, no, I was going to say you start. <laughs> well, uh, both of us, like I said, was uh, both of us have been passionate about uh, design and uh, conversation design in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, we both uh, study, have studied uh, various aspects of human behavior uh, outside of the software world. Um, and, uh, and through that, uh, bring a lot of, uh, I guess, care really about how we are enabling humans to speak with machines and get things done effectively, whether it's uh, something as mundane as checking your bank balance or something uh, more complicated around handling uh, medical uh, or medical management in the home. And so one of the things that we've seen, there's lots of great uh, conferences uh, like yours, Bradley, and, and others that give um, – a lot of visibility to the entire uh, growing industry around voice. Uh, what we are trying to do as well is raise the, the level of, forgive me, conversation around conversation design specifically. Um, up until recently, uh, Susan and I were part of a very, very small group of people globally who could address uh, conversation design effectively. And uh, as uh, Google Assistant and Alexa and others have uh, really exploded, we've known that there's uh, an ever greater need for people with uh, our skill set. And, and, and there's also a need for a place to talk about the issues more deeply than um, just reviewing applications. It's great to have case studies and things like that, but we need to dig into the sorts of issues that mm -hmm. uh, designers really have to have a handle on to, uh, to make uh, this new movement the success it can be. Anything you want to add, Susan? Well, well yeah, uh, you, you got to it at the very end. I just kind of want to expand on this idea of, of being able to delve deeper. That was really a primary motivation, really, for, for both of us. Um, there, there are issues that at the, the existing venues that are out there um, that either weren't being discussed at all or that are, that are discussed in a way that, that we felt was, was not deep enough. So uh, the ability to, to not just look at the how to do good conversation design, but to look at, at psychological factors, social, cultural, uh, emotional factors uh, that all impact these automated conversations that we're trying to build. Um, that, that for me was really, really one of the primary things. Another, another goal for us though, was to try to bring some other voices into this conversation that we're creating. So because we've been such a small insular group, for many years, and that now there's this this you know growing 
set of people who are designing these conversations, there's a tendency for us to, to spend a lot of time talking back and forth to each other. So it's been a big motivation for us to, to find people who can contribute um, meaningfully to these conversations that we're having about designing conversations, um, but who aren't direct practitioners in the field. So we have got um, some folks who are coming in who are journalists, whose beat is covering voice and conversational technologies, or at least that's part of what they cover. Um, we've got linguists who are going to be there. It, you know, it, we, we really think that, that bringing in voices, you know, from academia, from from the journalism world will help sort of spark some of those conversations that, that we don't see happening so far. Yeah, well, and, and, and then one, one last thing to note uh, is uh, part of that is tackling the bigger issues that are uh, part of the software industry in general, um, especially around you know, how much of our life is spent interacting with mobile devices or, and, and uh, on your laptop and now you've got other you know voice devices in your home and now there's a lot of concern around privacy and and bias in the technology and and these sorts of things so how do we start taking that into consideration and even trying to address it so uh, that's that's kind of a big overview there uh, points made uh, it's a forum uh, it's a conversation uh, and versus uh, just a, a general conference. Um, and it's going to be happening uh, in the in the first part of uh, June, so early June of next year in Minneapolis. And we'd love for anybody and, and everybody to join us. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I mean, Bradley, this is why we were so, ex part of why we were so excited to come on and talk with you is that what, so, I, I was involved in, in, in producing the speech tech conference for a bunch of years. And the thing that I noticed in that time is that the very best parts of the conference were those conversations that happened right after a presentation finished. You know, those ones that you, you're, you're tying up the room and the next speakers can't get in. And so you have to take those conversations into the hallway and it keeps going. What we're trying to do deliberately is elevate those conversations as part of points made. So we really feel like our attendees are absolutely as important as the people who we have up there on stage giving the presentations. So we, we really do um, intend this to be a dialogue. So that's why we were so thrilled because um, we, we know the, the quality of people who, who pay attention to, to this podcast. Well, I appreciate both of y'all being on and what you're doing is... Um it's just what the doctor ordered. You know, we've got um, a lot of room for a lot of different types of events uh, here. And, um, you know, the stuff that y'all are doing, you are original voice OGs, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so people need to hear, you know, hear from you. And, and you know, th this forum that you put together, um, it just looks like an excellent, authentic, unique type of experience we're going to link to it in the show notes uh, so people will be able to find it there and uh follow them on twitter we're going to link to their twitter account we won't uh it's, it's like point is it points made at points made forum i think is what it is um That's right. and yeah. so uh we'll link to that uh, no need to write that down you can just go to the web and we'll have that linked as well after the show um so yeah excellent job and, and just to put a button on that 
once we saw what uh, Susan and Philip are doing with points made, we were like, look, y'all need to come and talk about this even more at Project Voice. And so we've got uh, both of these fine folks joining forces to give what we call the contrarian talk at Project Voice <laughs> on why voice tech sucks. I will be in the audience for that. I can't wait to, to, to hear that. We're really, really uh, pleased to have you all on the show and just pleased to have you, you know, see everything and be part of what you're doing. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Well, thank I, you. And thank, thanks yeah, for the thank opportunity you. to Project Voice, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and we're, you see us both grinning like crazy here around the contrarian talk. When, <laughs> when you first gave us the invitation, Bradley, uh, the thing I said is, you couldn't have picked two more natural skeptics than, than the two of us. So... Uh, and, and watch out, watch out for, uh, for my buddy here, because he's known to do some theatrical things in present. All right, I might. All <laughs> right. Bring it. You know, but the, I, I want to emphasize, you know, the reason we are, um, the reason we're doing Points Made and the reason we're so excited about uh, joining you and everyone else uh, in January is that um, we really do believe that there is so much promise and so much to be gained and so much benefit that can be provided with this technology. We just really uh, want to see it done well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've learned a lot of lessons in technology, especially over the past 10 years with, with the explosion of mobile. And, uh, and then Susan and I have lots of lessons that we've, we've learned uh, many of them the hard way, I should say, by <laughs> making them that we can, uh, we can help uh, accelerate, you know, I'd like to see uh, voice in some way, you know, have a, a different and, and better growth path than, um, than mobile. Um, and, you know, but it takes a lot of work and dedication and focus to get there. Well, and it takes people willing to be honest and candid and transparent. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's necessary. And, and that's what y'all are doing. So um, keep your eye on points made. Keep your eye on these folks. Uh, we'll link to this stuff so you can start to follow it. Um, that's a great way to, to kick off the show and precede. Well, I should say, with that, we're going to get to the news. And story zero. We don't normally have a story zero. In fact, I think this is probably the first time in four seasons we've had a story zero. And so this week, um, uh, VoiceBot.ai turned three years old. And um, it's a uh, it's a whining. Congratulations! Whining yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, Voicebot.ai is a whining whining toddler among us. Um, we we have uh, anyone who listens to the show knows. Uh, really, I think it was from the latter part of season one. We installed the Voicebot.ai story of the week. Um, we did that because um, we were bored. No, I'm teasing. Uh, there, Voicebot.ai has shown over and over and over and over and over again its worth to the community um it's uh it it, it sells it far short to call it the number one site um for voice and ai news and commentary it's far more than that and the work that brett has done is remarkable and uh with that said what we're going to do at project voice and this is the announcement is that after we have uh, present the awards that are part of the Project Voice Awards Gala, uh, the second half of that evening will be the roast of Brett Kinsella. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and we've got a special graphic 
that our team has cooked up specifically for this that we'll put on the web uh, at 8 p.m. tonight, and it'll go out in an email tomorrow. Um, and uh, we do have some roasters confirmed. Um, Ava Mutchler, who is his colleague and co-founder, will be one uh-huh. of the guests. Nice. Uh, a gentleman named Ron Crone, uh, one of the oh, other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we know Ron. Ron. Uh, will be one of the roasters. Um, a gentleman named Pete Erickson. Uh, yeah, we know Pete. Will be one of the roasters. <laughs> and um, because we found we couldn't get enough humans to say yes, um, Homie and Lexi of the, the Homie and Lexi podcast will also be one of the roasters. We have many oh, more to nice. come. Oh, awesome. <laughs> but those four are confirmed. Uh, I, I will emcee it. And uh, it's, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a memorable time. Uh, ultimately, it will honor the work that Brett uh, has done uh, his, and his team has done uh, with VoiceBot.ai. Um, but before that, we'll have some fun with it. And, um, and there will be a separate, I believe the way it will work, we're still working this out, is I believe there will be a separate fee for that dinner, like around 80 or 90 bucks or something. And that mm-hmm. will go to the charity of Brett's Choice. So uh, details will be forthcoming on that. But Very that nice. will be, that's, that, that's must, must, oh, I left one roaster out. How could I leave out Brandon Kaplan, a skilled creative? So Brandon Kaplan will be one of the roasters as well. So uh, we've got other people that the invitation is extended to um, and uh, other people, uh, perhaps uh, the two of y'all might be interested in this. We're going to, we're, we're turning over all stones for who wants to skewer this guy. Uh, but it's going to be, <laughs> um, so that is our, that is our announcement and we're uh, happy about it. <laughs> uh, I think it sounds like it's going to be an epic evening. I think people yes, are going to be talking about this one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, It'll be fun. And so uh, I appreciate right. y'all allowing me to start off with this. And then it's fitting that uh, story number one is uh, it's probably some of the most hard hitting journalism that VoiceBot.ai has done. It's a story about Oreos. And, <laughs> and the de- well, you, know, you know what they say about cookies and crumbling. Uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is true. Um, so getting into story number one. This is kind of interesting. Uh, the, the title of the article is Oreo releases Alexa skill for mystery flavor challenge. And I think it's interesting to pose this to the two of y'all who have been around voice um, as long as you have and have seen it sort of grow that this, I could see this going either way. Maybe you see this as a sign of uh, just how far it's come, or maybe you see this as a sign of, hey, we took the wrong turn somewhere. Susan, I'm going to start with you. Your, your thoughts with uh, this particular article, anything strike you about this marketing arrangement or anything about this? Yeah, so, so I think that there's every possibility that this mystery Oreo flavor skill may do what Oreo is intending, right? It may achieve their goals. People have shown that they've got the willingness you know, for something new and, and funny and, and, and fun to go ahead and jump in and try out a new skill like that. Um, and, and I think that's actually a fine use of the technology. Um, I guess, I guess we're, I have concerns also, but, but I guess I'll let, I'll let Philip jump in and, and say, say what he thinks. Cause I think we're going to say the same thing around 
or similar things around what's the concern with these sort of small one-off skills like this that are, you know, directly marketing related. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start though, by saying, you know, we're, we're still in this time of uh, amazing experimentation yeah. and, uh, you know, brands and, and individual developers, you know, multi-billion dollar companies and somebody who is just, you know, trying to build something for her family, you know, are all out there experimenting and they have been since, uh, you know, the early days of, of uh, Google Assistant and Alexa. And, and so I, I love that there's still this, uh, this willingness to experiment and, and uh, figure things out uh, to see, you know, what works. And, and I think none of us feel like we've uh, really cracked the nut on um, expanding uh, or finding sort of that, you know, to use an old mobile phrase, that killer app to expand beyond some of the core things that people love to do with their uh, in-home assistants. Um, um, but, you know, the, getting to this uh, this sort of engagement around a brand uh, is, is something that, you know, I know many people are interested in and have pursued already. Um, and I, I think, you know, a game is always fun, right? It's something where there's, there's guessing. Um, and, and, and there are, there are, uh, there are interesting things about, you know, choosing to just do that versus, um, you know, sort of provide general information. Uh, but let me give that back to you, Susan, and you can dive into a, a little bit of the things that, you know, brands should think about as well, besides the engagement factor. Well, 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 yeah. And, you know, it, it's funny that you said choosing to do, you know, a, a, a fun thing with, with this app rather than general information. I think that's where this, this breaks down a little bit. Like I have never once felt the need to get information about Oreos that I couldn't read on the package. Um, and you know, I got teenagers at home. Sure. We go buy the new flavors. We're, you know, into all of this, but th there's ways in which I'm really echoing the thing that, that you said, Philip, around what, where is this ultimately going? Right. I, I don't think we need general information about Oreos or lots of other things. And so there's a way in which I think these super targeted marketing type type skills there's there's not a ton of places to go with them i mean most of the stuff that people are are really using smart speakers for i mean the the top three or five use cases are almost always the same right use it to play media of uh, you know play audio control your tv stuff like that um uh set timers ask about the weather, ask about traffic, you know, those kind of general information kind of questions. And it's hard, I think, to come up with, with a, a long-lasting strategy of why I would want to talk to my smart speaker about Oreos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, and, and it is, it's, it's, it's even funny to have that sentence uh, be something we say, but it, but it is, a, you know, it's a thing. And, and we all know that these sorts of conversations happen in the home uh, with the, with the people who live there. If you're a parent, uh, you know, you, you've at some point had an at length conversation about um, what your kid eats. And so 
the uh, so the idea that you know we we talk about these things at home is is makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's you know do is there a reason we turn to an assistant uh, device to do that? And um, you know, but at the same time, I think that it, it, you know this was uh, Amazon's um, part of Amazon's strategy is that they they you know they they have had this massive outreach to developers, uh, you know, large and small teams for since uh, the early days and um, and what one of the things that they explicitly wanted to do was just get a lot of activity out there to see what starts bubbling up and I think in some ways we're still in that and of course you know I, I grew up in the days where I think I, I think it, it was it came out first when I was a kid was the the whole um, what's under the bottle cap marketing strategy for soft drinks. And, um, uh, I don't, I don't even know if that's still a thing, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, find these codes or get these prizes and, and, um, and of course, you know, there you're interacting directly with the packaging of the product. So it's a little bit different, but it's still just this idea of mind share and, um, and, and engagement over time. And, um, so I'm very curious to see, you know, I, I, you know, when I was reading the the blurb about it, uh, one of the things that I noticed was that uh, the, part of the interaction is to uh, drive people to the website as well, so they can submit guesses about the flavor. And um, and I think that you know that that strikes me as an interesting choice about why not make that part of the interactive experience on uh, you know in the skill uh, as well. Uh, although maybe you know maybe I'm misreading that, and, and it is. But uh, you know I, I think part of the challenge we have right now is um, how do we, and, and I see digital uh, teams at, at brands struggling with this is like, how do they use this new channel, this new medium? Um, you know, they've got, you know, very mature digital practices around web and mobile and, um, and, and of course, you know, decades long and, and advertising and, uh, and, of all sorts and um and and just you know how does that all translate and, and and for some some teams it's going to mean rethinking uh you know elements of the strategy and for others you know the the announcement from the bbc um last week or the week before about doing their own digital assistance um i think is that's just fantastic you know this idea that um uh, a team would want to go that deep on on something, you know, when when they're, you know, they've already got a great presence on on the different services, um, but now to to really explore and push the boundaries, and I'll be, it'll just be fascinating to watch what they uh, learn, and 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 then there will be a lot of you know things that that brands can take from that, um, and um, yeah, just. I don't know. I'm beginning to blather, but it's it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting um, time. Well, sure. I'm on your page because uh, I'm on both your pages um, because uh, yeah, I think it's it's work that VoiceBot has done as well as some others that has shown you know look it's a solid seventy percent or around that number of um, people engaging with smart speakers and voice assistants for yeah. weather or music. Um, right. And that's uh, someone's got a book coming out along those lines. I, I, the name of my book is called More Than Just Weather and Music, uh, <laughs> 200 Ways to Use Alexa. And, you know, these marketing folks, um, 
it's been interesting to see Amazon because um, you're right. They're all struggling with how do we take advantage of the fact, uh, how do we take advantage of this uh, totally unexpected and newfound ubiquity of voice assistants and smart speakers? And I don't know how you even begin to answer that question without knowing what everybody's doing and what has been done. Right. And yeah. that's where I see Amazon. Amazon made a, has made numerous excellent moves, which is why we're even having this discussion in the first <laughs> Right, sure. But, but one thing that I think that they have not done effectively is um, market and promote the best use cases. Now, I'm sure they would argue because they've got, uh, you know, their, their dev evangelism team does a great job and they've got a blog and they've got this email they put out on Friday nights with these different things and they've got these different tools in the toolkit. But it, it, it hasn't added up, my opinion, mm-hmm. to enough oomph to where it has pushed the customer level of understanding, the mainstream level of understanding to where, hey, you've got the Wayne investigation, which is a game that yep. sparked their entire shift into games. Right, um, right. You know, you've got um, uh, all these different music games on there. You've got different things that kids can use and they're non-threatening, like Pikachu talk is one of them. Um, you've got uh, all sorts of different things going on, you know, like uh, Kids Court. I, I mentioned a lot of games. If I wanted to get into brands, you could easily do that too. There, there, there's so many different interesting things that have gone on that exist now for the ecosystem. Um, and, and they just haven't been, the, the gospel has not been received yet on that. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, uh, I, I know that people who find out about this book I'm putting together will enjoy it for that reason, but there's other sources for that information and, and people need to go find them. Um, one, one side note about this Oreo thing before we uh, move on, it's interesting to note that this is not a normal Alexa skill. This is, you don't even enable it. It's, okay. it's, they just bake it on in to the Alexa experience to where you simply start asking about Oreos or the mystery flavor or whatever, and it's going to start telling you stuff. And it's interesting. I would love to know what the relationship is between Amazon and Oreos to where they got that special status. Yeah. Well, it's not the first one uh, that's done that. There was, uh, and it probably still is a similar arrangement with like with all recipes, where they uh, power, they have, they do have a standalone skill, um, uh, and but they also power some of the um, responses that are given when you simply ask um, Alexa for a um, a recipe. And so, and, and, and in some cases there's attribution, you know, I found this from, from all recipes.com, et cetera. Um, but I, I think that that is a really interesting area that, you know, I know when I was there, there was a lot of discussion about it. I'm sure there still is about where is that line or where, I guess, where are the, where, where does it cross over from, um, you know, what, what we used to call first party capability, um, which tends, you know, has tended to be very generalized things like weather, music, tying into other Amazon services um, to, and then, you, you know, the other extreme you had, you know, they're, they're just a platform and, and you, 
anybody can put nearly anything out there on it. But now we're starting getting getting into these blended areas where you know there's clear collaboration because everybody knows that Amazon sells Oreos, but they don't make them. Um, you know, and, and right. so yeah, go ahead. Don't don't you think though that 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 that's a natural way forward? Because Bradley, I started thinking this when you when you were talking about how you know everybody needs to know what everybody else is doing in order to really create effective experiences. And, and I think that that's always been true with technologies, different technologies to a certain extent, but because you're always talking to the same smart speaker, mm-hmm. right? And you have to invoke that speaker by name. You know, you're always talking to the same someone in those cases, even if it's a third party, skill or, or, or app that, that you're putting out there, um, it's going to, to a certain extent, feel to that end user, like this is still a conversation I'm having with Alexa. So I think that impact of everyone else in the ecosystem um, will have, I mean, hopefully it'll have positive, you know, raise all boats kind of, kind of uh, effects, but it can have negative ones too, right? So, so if there are skills out there that that don't work well, users can start to have expectation that oh, I can't say something like this when I talk to Alexa. And we know that that that's how users work, right? They're they're not going to attribute it to that specific skill. They just know I'm talking to Alexa, and when I try this kind of thing, it doesn't work. So, yeah. so it, I, I think sure. it's it's all super important there. And I think it dovetails well into the next story, and so we'll transition to that. Um, great commentary all the way around on. It is funny we're talking about Oreos. Uh, Oreos have come up. <laughs> Oreos have come up uh, a lot uh, over the last year or two. I won't go into any other reasons, but it's come up unexpectedly. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> uh, story number two: Amazon to announce new hardware during September 25th event. So they're doing this again uh, for the third year i believe and then google counters with a competing event that they're doing on october 15th and as a a separate side note we include kind of an interesting note voicebot.ai reported on google assistant uh will stay on hold for you now on the phone which is kind of interesting but the question i want to pose and philip i'm going to start with you is number one two two parts number one what are you hoping to see as the um cumulative result of these two competing events just for voice in general what what are you hoping to see or maybe not see out of these two events collectively and then the other part of the question is uh, I always like to do a periodic sort of heat check on this do you perceive that Amazon and Google are neck and neck uh, in this voice landscape or do you perceive as one having a clear advantage uh, be it along any metric you choose, market, you know, market share or functionality, whatever you pick, do you perceive them as being equals uh, for the most part, or do you perceive one as having a profound advantage of the other heading into these um, dueling meetings? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so to tackle the first part of that, um, one of the things I'm hoping not to see is further splintering in the um, in, in the in the types of devices that are being offered, um, and 
you know, now we, you know, we had, um, you know, the show came out and, you know, people had a little bit of confusion about that, but the fact that, um, it, it was easier to set up than, you know, say Alexa on your fire TV device or something like that. Um, and, and you know, the, the screen is, is reasonably nice for watching little videos or seeing news stories and things like that. But then you had the, the spot and they went with the round aesthetic and it was, you know, rightly called, you know, a, a very expensive alarm clock <laughs> because it's going to, it was aimed at sitting by the bedside. Um, and, and then they, you know, then they put out a rectangular version of that and, and, um, and, and now we've got, you know, things for the automobile and, and we still have our original uh, Echo Tower and Echo Dots. And, um, and I just, what I'd like to see is, um, some some deeper integration i think into uh the home we at my home we don't like a lot of clutter and we're not neat freaks uh, not that there's anything wrong with that but we're just we're not over the top about it we just we just like to kind of not have a lot of stuff everywhere and and, and as you might imagine um both of us uh, worked at Alexa, we have multiple devices around the home. Uh, we use smart home um, uh, technology as well. And at some point, there's this uh, weight of having that um, in the home. Uh, and, and, and meaning that it, it becomes more burdensome than beneficial or the, the, the ratio is off. And so what I, what I really would like to see is, is things that feel more like um, the, the way we typically think about additions to our home, things that are really um, beneficial to us, that feel like they um, add to our aesthetic, add to our emotional appeal of being in, in our home. So, um, you know, that's, I, that's short on specifics of like what I'd like to see from a technical standpoint, but I think there's that emotional uh, we, we've established that people want to use these technologies. Now let's figure out how we make them feel more comfortable, feel more beneficial. Uh, the second part of your question, or the second question, um, you know, I think I don't really have something new to say there, unfortunately. I, I wish I did. I, I think that there's just still such alignment with each provider um, around their core strategy. Um, uh, Amazon has been a, a, an absolute relentless experimentation machine around retail. And, and, and so there's a lot of push, you know, you don't see, you know, they have AWS of course. And so they've, they've got this whole technology support and provision, uh, side of the business, but you don't see much of that coming through except for the developers in, in the uh, Alexa ecosystem. Um, and, and I just, I, I see them, you know, adhering to that. So there's, you know, the, it's, it's about content, it's about purchasing, it's, it's about entertainment, things like that. Um, Google has stayed really, you know, close to their core of uh, information sharing um, that may or may not be sponsored. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and they're really good at that, right? You know, the, the, there's very few people who use any other uh, search engine these days. And, uh, and then you look at, you know, Siri and, and uh, Bixby and others and, 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 you know, those are kind of serving those ecosystems as well. And so what I think is, you know, and one of the reasons I was excited about the BBC is 
to start to see uh, organizations stepping out of a, uh, that strict alignment and start to say, okay, what free of a core focus like retail or search, what does a voice assistant do? What what do they mean to people? And uh, how can they be um, more beneficial uh, without having to lean on something inside the platform ecosystem? Uh, so uh, are people ahead of each other? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, market share tells some stories there. Um, but what I just, what I haven't seen yet is, I guess, um, I'll call it, for lack of a better word, sort of platform unification or platform, really cross-platform visions about how these technologies do things for people um, that don't have to come with the weight of, um, you know, search more, buy more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. Susan, same question for you. Um, one, what do you want to see, uh, out of these dueling, uh, events? And then do you perceive Amazon or Google, uh, being neck and neck or one being above the other, uh, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, so, so the first one around expectations, I can't say that I have any particular wants of of what I would see out, out, out of the, uh, those particular events. I mean, I tend to not be super focused in on like the hardware itself. I, I, I can certainly um, agree with a lot of what Philip said there, you know, that, that making it easier to integrate, um, to have overall uh, uh, experiences using your voice in the way that consumers seem to want to do it throughout the home. Um, it, it would certainly be, I think, a, a great step in, in the right direction. Um, and, you know, in terms of, of the two organizations, um, I, I, so I'm coming at this um, from my banter technology perspective. Uh, you know, we've, we've worked with both of them, getting uh, uh, voice apps up on, on the two different platforms. And, you know, from a, a technical perspective in terms of, of uh, uh, what it's like to put an app up on the two different ones. There are some differences. Um, there are things about working with the two companies that are that can be quite different um, from from uh, between Amazon and Google. Um, and I do think that there are some some core strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know, at, at the at a performance level. Um, Anything I'd say about, you know, is one ahead of the other would frankly be quoting things I read on VoiceBot AI. So, so you know, I don't, I don't have a particular sense about that. Um, I, I guess I'm still, like, like I'm sure a lot of people, waiting because there's, there's something that, that feels right now a little bit untenable about having these, the, you know, these two main disparate platforms, you know, where the requirements are a little different and the way you work with them is just a little bit different. Um, you know, it almost sort of feels like those, oh my God, I'm dating myself here, VHS and beta, you know, days where it's like there are these two different ones and they're not compatible and, and, and which one do you want or do you do both? It's kind of the, the same sense right now, I think. Completely agree. Yeah, we are. We kind of are in the VHS and beta um, 
sort of thing going on um, just with in a, in a weird, different and weird sort of way, but there's a lot of analogs back to that. Um, no, I think that's excellent. Thank, thank both of you all for that uh, commentary. Um, so in the interest of time, we got two more stories. Um, the next one is about Apple and it's a real propaganda type of piece <laughs> uh, <laughs> celebrating uh, Apple's um, many, you know, uh, Apple's um, excellence. I don't know what word to use for this. I, I decided to include this anyway because it, it has some important things in here, like Apple has uh, decided to attend a conference uh, and uh, promote, the, promote their work involving language processing and things like that, and that really is, is profound. I, I want to challenge both of y'all. And Susan, I'm going to start with you and then Philip. Um, let's play, because I want to spend more time discussing the last uh, article rather than this one. Let's play word association with this article. Um, and Susan, I'll start with you. Okay. In one, so this article talks about how great Apple is and wow, how amazing. And they were at a conference and all this stuff. In, in one year's time, what, what word would you use or, or short phrase to describe Apple's position in the marketplace relative to where it is now? Better, worse, the same? Yeah. Okay. Um, same? Okay. I, I, I didn't read anything that would make me feel like anything is going to be dramatically different. Completely agree. Philip, your, your thoughts, just uh, better, worse, same, uh, well, where's Apple going to be? So really just focusing on, on, you know, sort of our core topic here around assistance and voice and stuff. I, I think we'll have a better Siri. That's what I think we'll have in a year. Uh, Siri lagged. It had such a head start. I was at Microsoft when it came out. We were all just astonished that Apple had, had produced something that we felt we were somewhat close to, but not, you know, and, and, um, and, and, and it's such a great splash and so many really innovative things that they did with that, you know, the first iterations. And then it just kind of, I don't know, it got, it got ignored uh, is, is the way it looks from the outside. So I think in a year, I, I'm hoping with this sort of thing, we'll see a better Siri. I don't think it'll change uh, much of anything else. I mean, maybe, you know, integrations with Apple TV or other, you know, parts of the ecosystem, like, you, you know, you Siri on your laptop and stuff like that. But I, just, I don't think it'll um, change much else. We're in complete agreement. And that's, uh, that's honestly, that's probably the amount of time that that story merits discussing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the AI article is interesting. I, I, I could talk about that a little bit. But just the name of the AI program, too, is like, it's kind of, it's a little creepy, but... Um, well, let's get yeah. Let's get into this, um, and this we'll close with this. So, story number four: Oracle unveils AI voice for the enterprise, and this was a uh, sort of a late developing story. When did this come out? Yeah, Tuesday um, when I was putting this stuff together. And uh, Philip, I'm going to start with you. Um, it sort of dovetails with what you were talking about with the BBC a little bit. Tell us, uh, you know what you, how this article struck you, what you took away uh, from Oracle specifically and may, maybe in a larger sense. 
Yeah, so two pieces of background information that probably most of our listeners today don't have. Uh, one is I know um, the two. So Oracle has made a number of investments in um, in uh, design and usability and, and uh, uh, things to really enrich their user experience, which they've been known for poorly for a long, long time. Uh, no one has ever accused uh, Oracle software of being easy to use. Um, and secondly, uh, Susan and I both know uh, we have a, a industry colleague who we who we both respect, yes. who is there now, and uh, specifically for voice. So this twin investment of of uh, much better user experience focus and um, and hiring real experienced, uh, really well experienced people for voice, um, I think bears some really interesting um, uh, possibilities. And it, obviously, Oracle has um, a massive uh, investment in, in data and infrastructure and, and uh, enterprise uh, software. Um, so the promise there, in, you know, from that set of ingredients is amazing. Um, of course, it has to be carried out, and that's where you know things always get interesting. But knowing the people that I do uh, that are there, um, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to see some interesting uh, outcomes here. And and I do think that you know when Alexa for Business launched a few years back, um, there were there was a lot of excitement about that. I, I think that that aspect of using voice software has also been underexplored um, in part because people got attached to easy um, things like meeting setup. Not that that's not an expensive thing for a lot of enterprises, but it's a, it's, it's uh, almost verges on, um, on gimmick uh, rather than saying, here's my, here's a real tool that I'm going to use in my day-to-day work. Um, anyway. Yeah. So let me turn that over to Susan for, her yeah. Um, so, so like you said, I, I've got a ton of respect for for the folks who who um, Oracle's brought in to to do this project, and and the reason that I think that that I also feel optimistic is that doing something like this, right, really bringing um, voice as a tool. For, for the enterprise is something that that it's going to take a team effort. This is not a, 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 you know, couple of designers by themselves and they'll get it all figured out. No, this is going to take, you know, some massive organizational stuff. And so in addition to being um, really positive on, uh, in terms of their, their capabilities around design, um, we also know that, that our colleague there is a great manager and is great at cultivating a team like that. So, so I feel really positive there. The other thing that I feel really positive about uh, in terms of voice in the enterprise altogether is I love that as a use case for, for one specific reason. It's because it'll have a focusing effect. So, you know, kind of love that we're in the, the wild stage of experimentation, like you talked about, Philip, but I love the idea of of going deep on the specific use cases with the specific constraints 
that there are in terms of using voice within the enterprise. Because the thing that's beautiful about those more constrained use cases is that it forces um, the user experience team. So not just the voice team, right? But, but because it's never just a voice experience, right? There's always other modalities that are gonna play in. But I think it forces, those kind of constraints force you as a user experience team um, to dig really deeply for the core principles that underlie what's gonna make this sink or swim. And so I'm looking forward to what they might achieve because I think there's going to be a ton for the rest of us in the ecosystem to learn from what they're doing. And I think that, you know, the idea of, of, of the killer app has come up. This, this may not be killer, but it may be a seed in terms of a thing that really allows the rest of us to springboard off of what they, they may learn. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's, um, this isn't, this is going to be an interesting one to watch. And I think as we head into 2020, um, voice in the enterprise, it's, it's really, it's a focus of project voice. Um, because yes, you've got the marketing people who are thinking about what is it that we need to be doing, but there's a lot of other things going on. There's people thinking about voice from an operational standpoint, and that's not only within, that's within every part of business. It's, it's in the it's in the manufacturing line just as much as it is in the white collar um, office environment. And um, it is, um, it's, it's my perception that the, um, the feeling of talking about setting up meetings with voice, that feels a little gimmicky. It is gimmicky, number one, but it feels gimmicky because it's like, the use cases haven't marched in lockstep with everything else. We've seen mm -hmm. devices explode. We've seen mm -hmm. the interest explode. We've seen all of the major tech players um, hiring explode. Um, and we've seen global interest explode. And as all of this has happened over the last three or four years, uh, or two or three years, um, we're still talking about setting up meetings. Yeah. We're still talking about weather and music. So all of this stuff is happening. And yet we're still talking about, you know, these use cases are the, are the laggard. And so that is, um, that's something that will change. Obviously all three of us know that, but um, uh, how, how it affect, affects the enterprise, um, I think will be a major storyline for 2020. I appreciate y'all commenting on that and um any closing thoughts uh on any of these this story or any other story um here at the end well just yeah one one quick note that sort of touched on multiple things we've uh talked about and specifically the oracle announcement the where where we need to go with the enterprise has to be stuff that you know like well the, the question i asked myself is what parallels the experiences that people do at home, which are very spontaneous, very natural, very um, sort of part and parcel of their day. You know, the, uh, a place of music or uh, what's the weather as I'm getting ready for, for work. Um, one of the problems that we've had with, with everything that's available in these assistants is discoverability and how do people know what's there? It's an invisible interface. 
Uh, it's very much an interface, but the invisibility of it lends itself then to being used for very spontaneous uh, sort of low-key things. Uh, those things exist in the enterprise, um, and I don't just mean scheduling meetings or, or the mundane of uh, tasks, but these, there are things that, that happen. And I, I think it's going to require uh, companies like Oracle who have the resources and the time and the, and the uh, um, deployed uh, systems to, um, to go deep and, and figure these things out because they're not the obvious things usually they're um you know they're, they're things that, that have to be researched uh so i like i, I just i want to see more of that and I'm, I'm i'm so that that's one one of the things i'm optimistic about here um and and the second thing i'll say is just you know that we have to really have to figure out how to learn well uh as an industry you know we have to learn about human behavior really well we, we've got to go deeper um and that's part of the research as well and because learning is going to make the ai part of this work and without the learning, there is no intelligence. That's, that's how intelligence is built. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll, uh, again, I'll build on that, Philip. So, so you're right. We need to go deep and understand the underlying behaviors. The way you go deep, there's, there is a whole body of, of methods and practices around how you understand the needs that users have. How do we you know, as the, as the providers of technology understand and discover user needs and then come up with a way to fix it. Um, up until now, so much of what's happening in this new conversational ecosystem is that old thing of if we build it, they will come simply for the novelty factor, right? We've heard this story before. There was all kinds of stuff in the web world where this happened. But yeah, user research is, is, is how you go deep on this. Um, but but I'm still really positive. I think there are ways for for us to to move this forward. And you know, I I, I remain staunchly op optimistic about about what we can do with these technologies. I think we all do, and uh, and that's a great note to end on. Um, Philip, Susan, thank you very much for sharing not just your time mm -hmm. but your expertise and your experience with me in the audience. It's greatly appreciated. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. Thanks well, so much, Bradley. Yeah, this has been terrific. Appreciate it. Yep. And we're looking forward to Project Voice. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. And we're looking yeah. forward to Points Made, and we will include the link for that uh, as well, the link and the Twitter handle uh, in the show notes. For This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 4, thank you for listening, and until next time. Mm -hmm.